Oh, hello, and welcome to episode three of Relay SA, a connected conversation about student affairs in Canada. I'm Adam Kewen. In this episode, we sat down with the amazingly wonderful and brilliant Jennifer Hamilton. If I was going to do a podcast about student affairs in Canada, it seems like a no-brainer to try and have one of our first interviews be with the first ever executive director of the Canadian Association of College and University Student Services, or CAUCUS for short. In her role as CAUCUS Executive Director, Jennifer has a unique view on our field here in Canada. We sat down with her in a study room at the OISE Library at U of T to chat about all things student affairs in Canada. Everything from going to the U.S. for grad school, the Guelph Mafia, as well as the past, present, and future of Canada's Professional Association for Student Affairs. Let's get to it. Adam Hewitt, what are you doing? Who will you talk to today? It's Relay SA. <laughs> testing, testing. Hello. How are you? I'm great, Adam. It's on. How it's are happening. You? Okay, it's happening. It's on. It's happening. <laughs> this is great. Um, I thought you were going to be like, hello, and welcome to the student fair. No. <laughs> do a whole intro. Actually, I have a theme song. Oh, do you? Yeah, I'll Good. play it for you after Good. we're done. Um, but just to give a sense of like our location, we're located in a cozy one-person study room at OISE at the University of Toronto. It's very cozy. It's very cozy. Um, and thanks so much for making the time to chat with me. I know you're super busy. Thank you for asking. Um, so, why don't we start? What's your What's your full name? My full name's Jennifer Ann Hamilton, just like the city. <laughs> Two N's, one F. Um, yeah. <laughs> and what, like, where... Where'd you go to school? Where was your undergrad? So I went to Glen Forest Secondary School, which okay. the mascot was the Griffins. Oh, okay. In Mississauga, Ontario. A premonition. Yes. And then I did my undergraduate degree at the University of Guelph. Mm-hmm. I started in 1989 in political science and transferred into uh, international development and agriculture. And I graduated in 1994. And did you live in residence? I lived in residence. In first year, I lived in Cove 116. In Maritime. In Maritime. And second year, I lived in East Residence. Okay. In the tower. Yeah. I lived in East in my first year. Did you? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was the first year that they were putting first years in East. Yeah. Mostly an upper year kind I of I think place. we had two first years in our suite, and I think it must have been awkward for them. <laughs> we were, I was in a 12-person suite, oh. and it was half and half. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good case study. Yes. Talk our, about mentoring. Yeah, our RAs were very busy. Right. Good, good. <laughs> <laughs> More about that later. More about that later. Um, and so, and were you involved in stuff during your undergrad? Yeah, so when I, um, it's funny, I told this story before. When I was, you know, back at, at Guelph in the day, we used to have actual physical mailboxes mm-hmm. in residence. And I remember getting, in first year, getting this flyer about the peer helper program. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sort of was looking for something to do. I wasn't really looking for a part-time job, but I, I don't know what it was that just grabbed me about the flyer that I decided to apply. So I worked as a peer in the orientation area for two years, and then I worked for the START orientation program nice. uh, at Guelph. I was the first student manager that was hired for START, and then they developed this kind of co-curricular program at Guelph. It was a pilot the year that I did it. I think it was 93-94, where they, um, you could get academic credit for doing um, mm-hmm. a, a management kind of role, so I was the manager of the Connection Desk, nice. and then I had to write a reflective paper on uh, my experience, which kind of led me into 
you know, being interested in student affairs, student learning and development stuff. And I was on student government too. Okay. SSG it was called at the time. Uh, what was that for? The College of Social Science Student Government. Nice. Yeah, I don't think it's called that anymore. Hmm. Yeah. And then what happened after you graduated? What happens after you crossed the stage and departed your Guelph experience? After I finished at Guelph, um, I got a job working with Ch- Cunningham in admissions. Oh, okay. So I went on the road for a year. Um, oh, like a recruitment? Yeah, kind of. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it was half the year was recruitment, and then the other half of the year, Guelph had this kind of innovative program. I don't know if they do it anymore, where they visited high schools to talk to parents and students about transition. Mm. So they had developed this series of modules on the, making the transition from high school to university. And part of, um, we delivered sort of a condensed version of those modules. Cool. So you didn't have to be a Guelph applicant. It was open to anyone going to post-secondary. But it was kind of fun because you really got to interact with the parents and um, you know, really talk about some of the issues and mm. help students think about them. That's really cool. Yeah, it was How really cool. How did you do cool. that for? Just, it was a one-year contract. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then I um, I actually got a job offer at Guelph to work full-time in the Ontario Agricultural College. Okay. But at the same time, I was applying to grad school. So um, I turned down the job offer in order to go to graduate school instead. And you were you went to grad school for? For student like affairs. Student yeah, affairs yeah, type stuff. yeah. Which I think is so cool because that was at a time when I don't think a lot of people were turning their eyes towards American schools to do American programs. Like, it was only a handful of people who were doing that. Yeah. So how did you find that? How did you come across that? Well, it's that? funny because um, there were some people who worked in the Counseling and Student Resource Center at Guelph, and through the, the internship credit program I was doing, it kind of opened up my eyes to further study and sort of thinking about experiential learning and... Um, and that was what I wrote my graduate application was on experiential learning stuff but um, there were a handful of folks at the time who had just gone to the U.S. and some Mm -hmm. of the folks that I worked with Lori Schnarr and Catherine Elliott and the Counseling Student Resource Center kind of pointed me in the direction of there's these programs in the U.S. and all of a sudden I was like well I can study this like I can actually um, so it opened up a whole bunch of doors in terms of exploring different programs and at the time um, I don't believe the program at Memorial University had started yet, um, so it was just there was just a couple programs in the U.S. that I was looking at, and even then there weren't as many as there are now. Mm. It's really grown a lot. And where did you go? I went to Colorado State. And how was that? It was good. Yeah. Yeah. So I applied to I think five or six programs in the U.S. One of the reasons why I chose Colorado State was because they gave me um, a um, uh, assistantship that paid my tuition. Mm-hmm. And the assistantship was in residence life, and that was one area that I think most new professionals know that a lot of jobs are in residence life. Mm-hmm. And I had never worked in residence life. Like, I lived in residence, obviously, but um, I felt like that was something that could really round out my experience profile was to be able to have the experience of being a residence manager. So I did that um, in my first year at Colorado State, and then in my second year, I I was the assistant ship for um, running like for the graduate program. So it was oh. kind of like admissions, recruitment, orientation stuff. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. So I got to meet a lot of students who were applying, and you know, counsel them on choices and stuff like that, and some Canadians too. Uh, was it going to be my follow-up question? Were there any other Canadians in the program? Or? Not at the no? time, no. But since um, since I've been there, the, I was the second international student in the program. I think the first one was from Hong Kong. Okay. And then since I was there, there have been a number of Canadians. And there's actually a Canadian in the program right now who's um, graduating this 
May, I guess. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. It's so interesting. It's so interesting. Yeah. And then when you graduated, did you come back to Canada right away, or were you... No, I um, I applied for a bunch of jobs, um, and at the time, I think, after working, and not, no offense to any of my friends who work in residence life, but after working in residence life for a year, I, I realized that my strengths were kind of in other areas. Sure. And um, so I applied for a bunch of jobs, Guelph, Windsor, St. FX, and had some good opportunities to come back to Canada. But as many international students know, you, you do get this opportunity to stay and work on a visa. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, this would be the one time I could stay and work in the U.S. So I really concentrated my job search in, in the States, although I did have some interviews and some opportunities in Canada. Um, and ended up getting a, a position at Portland State University in mm -hmm. Oregon. So... Um, there were a lot of great opportunities, um, and it was easier to find jobs outside of residence life in the U.S., so mm -hmm. it was really great. And I know eventually you came back to Canada, because yeah. you were working, were you at Hart House first, or Scarborough? Uh, I was at U of T Scarborough. Well, you okay. know my resume. Oh, I just yeah. linked in today. I just <laughs> did a little creeping. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, one of the things about being a temporary worker is, you know, and depending on your age and stage, I think I felt like I could, I could never really become part of the community because I couldn't vote, and you know, right. it was like either I needed to find someone to get me a green card, which meant getting married, and um, or uh, find some other kind of way to stay more permanently. Um, and my family's in Ontario, and you know, I kind of made that decision to come back. So this great opportunity opened up at U of T Scarborough, a brand new job at U of mm -hmm. T Scarborough. They were really growing their student affairs area, and so and I took that opportunity to come back. So it was really great, and I worked in that position for just over a year, and then transferred to the St. George campus to work at Hart House. So a little bit like I did a little res life, a little admissions, a little student leadership. Um, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. A real kind of generalist background. But also like really different contexts, like going from Guelph, which has a particular kind of context, to kind of more larger American institutions, then to Scarborough, which is kind of a, um, a campus of a large tri-campus institution, then to Hart House, which is kind of this really, really special, unique. unique kind of place yeah. that I think is, I don't know any place like it. Um, yeah, and I think it's funny that you touched, on, you picked up on that, Adam, because I think one of the things that's been really great for me in my learning experience is that diversity. Mm. I mean, even Portland State University, it was an, kind of an open access urban university, you know, downtown Portland, and its um, academic, its mission statement was let knowledge serve the city. So it had a huge kind of service component mm. to it. I got to teach at that university. So th those opportunities to teach at different types of institutions were really great not only to learn about the students but also as an administrator to kind of understand um, not every place was like Guelph in Colorado State and I often have said when people ask me about the experience of going to grad school at a place like Colorado State I kind of call it the Disney World of student affairs right. like everybody's perfect everything's happy you know everyone it's such a great opportunity I'm not sure that people who work there would say that but as a graduate student I was like this is what student affairs should be like right. and then you move to other institutions and you realize they have different strengths different challenges um, and you're pushed to learn to adapt your practice and your understanding based mm -hmm. on the type of institution you're at totally I remember my first year working as a professional I was at Queens and I just come out of work doing my undergrad at Guelph and I feel like in every meeting was like well, at Guelph, we did it this way. Yeah. And I felt like they must have been so sick of me after the first week. But they were so patient and loving. And finally, someone, I think, took me aside and was like, 
there's a way we do things here. We're not trying to, anyways, not copying and pasting your experience yeah. here and kind of being more open to different possibilities, I guess. Yeah. Well, because there is quite a diversity. And I think as a professional, if you can have the opportunity to move outside of your comfort zone and try a different institution. Mm-hmm. The last an- institution that I worked at before I came t- to caucus was OCAD University. And also, at the time, it was called OCAD. Um, and really unique opportunity, a small art and design mm-hmm. school, um, emerging student affairs area, um, just transitioned from um, a college to offering degrees, mm-hmm. all sorts of challenges there in terms of the amount, you know, the size. You don't have a lot of funding the way you do at larger institutions. So And different types of students, students who are doing, I'm just here to do a one course in jewelry making versus exactly. people who are doing master's and PhD level. Yeah, yeah. And, and even a challenge around, you know, as an artist, what's the value of... Um, involvement right like there was a different perception in terms of when you're at U of T and you have engineers zoologists you know arts majors and science majors you can find people who see leadership as being uh, you know involvement as being useful to different types of careers Mm -hmm. but there's this pigeonholing of um, what an artist or a designer was like and what skills they did or didn't need which we challenged a little bit I think Mm. yeah it was a unique place to work so then when, when was the moment that Caucus came a calling? <laughs> Caucus came a calling. Uh, well, I was involved with Caucus as a volunteer. And um, I guess, you know, one of the things I would say beyond talking about my current role with Caucus is I think for me, beyond the, the uh, formal work opportunities that I've had um, through in, in student affairs, that the involvement that I've had through professional associations has been really valuable and I, th- I equate it to the student involvement experiences and the skills and the opportunities you get through that my professional experience has been similar so everyone I've met um, every kind of thing that's come my way and the opportunities I've had the learning the it's been through my extracurricular activities right. through caucus and other organizations so um, so the opportunity at caucus, it's funny, I was involved as a volunteer in various capacities, and then the board in 2009, 10, I think, um, came up with the, the executive director position. And mm-hmm. I was involved with the organization at the time and was involved with the discussions at the board level. And um, really kind of was very exciting. And then all of a sudden, uh, I think a couple months, I think Sarah Burley from U of T was the chair of the search committee, but I remember thinking... I might want to apply for that like after months of talking about it um like on the outside thinking that might be a good opportunity for me something different um I was looking to do something different uh move away from the position that I had at OCAD and this position came along and I applied and it was a long search process but um yeah I was hired in January 2011 the first ever the first ever yeah yeah yeah, that's been interesting. And, and in fact, Adam, a couple of my positions, um, OCAD, well, the position at Scarborough, I was the first. The position at OCAD, I was the first. And the, this position, I was the first. So it's interesting when you come and you get this opportunity where no one's ever done anything before. Mm-hmm. And there's expectations, but not expectations. Um, and y- you kind of have an idea of the things you want to do, but you have no idea how things are going to roll out. There's yeah. no blueprint, really. So this is my third time going through an experience like that. And do you like it? Would you prefer a different 
if you had a blueprint, uh, or do you kind of like the inventing and the creating and discovering? Well, I like the, the yeah, the, the ambiguity can be stressful, I think, mm. but at the same time, you know, you can joke and say there were no expectations, so right. there were high expectations, but no expectations. Um, so no, it's been really interesting, and it's, I mean, caucus has changed so much in the last eight to ten years, but particularly in the last five years, I think it's been really interesting learning about, um, for me personally, learning about the whole world of associations and mm-hmm. what that means. I mean, it's a whole other skill set. It's a whole other knowledge sector that I've immersed myself in. So that's been really interesting. So tell me more about caucus changing. So how, in what ways do you think it's, it's changed over the last couple of years? Because you have such a unique perspective. You're the only executive director of, like, our only national student affairs organization. Yeah. So it's, I think, a pretty unique spot, pretty good viewpoint. Well, I think, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'd like to hear what members have to say about how they think caucuses change. I'd like to hear what you think. <laughs> um, but from my perspective, I think one of the things that um, has always been what's what has attracted people to caucus is it's been sort of a grassroots organization Mm -hmm. and um our membership has always including myself when i was a member has shaped the direction that the organization is going um and that i think still stays the same in a lot of ways but on the other hand with having um a full-time well i'm not technically full-time but having someone who's in place 12 months a year who doesn't have a full-time job someplace else. Yeah. We've really been able to move certain initiatives forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, we were grassroots. We are always accountable and really transparent as an organization. But I think that we've uh, grown up a little bit in terms of trying to be more um, uh, just really clear on who we are as an organization, having really clear strategies and following through on the things that we say we're going to follow through on for right. the most part um, and trying to trying to uh, improve the value that we give to the members I think that's really the ultimate focus of what we're trying to do um, I th- you know in, in some ways we've changed a lot and in other ways we haven't changed anyway really sort of focusing on um, member delivered content member delivered, um, or members sort of generated resources and experiences. We're mm-hmm. always going to rely on our members for some of that stuff. But, you know, balancing it out with having more stability, um, longer-term goals that we try to move ourselves towards. I think it's interesting because I think there's probably members who are not necessarily involved, maybe outside of attending a conference or maybe presenting, um, who I would say... Yeah, exactly what you're saying. Feels like there um, is a stru- new structure in place where they can see themselves and can participate and contribute more actively. Um, but as someone who kind of volunteers here and there with the organization, it definitely seems like it's moving forward. Like there's always something happening and there's always someone with an idea and there's there's space and time and resources to make that happen. So it does feel like there's that grassroots feel. It's an exciting time, I think. Yeah, and I think the other thing that we're trying to do is, I think you focus on being more inclusive. So Mm -hmm. when we used to have six divisions, if you didn't see yourself represented in those divisions, maybe you didn't feel like you fit in or, you know, that there wasn't a home for you. So that's one reason why I think, you know, moving towards having communities of practice. 
Um, but also that we can find multiple ways for people to connect and be involved with the organization, mm -hmm. that it doesn't have to be necessarily on the board or a longer-term commitment, but that there are ways that you can intersect and contribute and get connected because I think that, that connectedness in connection with feeling like you're part of a community yeah. um, is one of the ways in which informal learning happens and one of the ways in which people's professional practice will be strengthened on their own campus. And how do you, so again, you've, you were mentioning how there's other associations, so how do you think caucus compares to, say, other organizations that maybe serve a similar professional population? What's unique about what we're doing? Uh, well, I think there's things that are unique and things that are the same. Um, I think our history is unique in, in the Canadian context. I think, you know, there are other associations in Canada that focus on um, particular functional areas within post-secondary. Um, caucus is certainly the largest of those organizations in Canada. Um, and, you know, if we look at our sister associations in the U.S., um, we have the benefit of being the largest in Canada, but also being a much smaller scale than those right. other organizations. So I think it's relatively easy, even though our conference is doubled in size over the last 15 years that you can come into the organization and feel find a way to be connected that there is still a real personal feeling and I'm still surprised um, you know I meet people and there seems to be within student affairs in Canada six degrees of separation oh absolutely yeah so you know someone and you if, if we don't know the same person we know another person that knows that same person yeah yeah one of my colleagues described it as cozy. It's a very cozy profession cozy. because people yeah. know each other and there's typically very warm feelings and positive feelings. Yeah. Hmm. Well, and it's it's funny because we worked last year we worked with um I I wish we could capture it in in a more succinct and clear way but I remember our event coordinators who helped us out with the conference last year. Obviously they were from outside of caucus and outside of the student affairs professional, but they were overwhelmed with um the organization and they said out of all the different organizations they work with all as professional associations nonprofits there was no organization like caucus mm. and they you know in the the time span that they worked with us were quite attached because they felt that feeling of yeah. um support and and community and you know I know not every single person who who participates in the organization feels that but that's really what I hope that most people will get over the span of their career yeah. is that connectedness Mm -hmm. And what are the insights, because we've had a lot of delegates from our sister organizations and international organizations, any sense of how, do they think we're wild and <laughs> like, too huggy? Well, no, I, I mean, I wish I captured quotes over the year, Adam, that's a great question, because I think that there is a sense that there there's something unique. I mean, I think you've attended other organizations' conferences and participated in different ways. I think every organization has something unique about it. Right. I can't define what it is that's unique and special about caucus but I know there is something unique and special um, and I think that other people who interact with our organization feel it too mm -hmm. yeah and I wonder if everyone who has a job has an organization like this like I, I don't know it's one of my favorite things of doing our work is getting to connect with other people who do that work well, and I was telling you before we got on, got on the air that uh, <laughs> I had a little a mentoring meeting with a student this morning 
um, who's looking at, you know, growing in her career. And I, and I first thing I asked her was, are you involved with any professional association? She's involved with international student advising and recruitment. And she mentioned that she had been to a couple NASFA conferences. And I said, well, I know you're not asking me for my advice, but if I gave you, your, gave you any advice, I think that's the one thing that I would suggest to people that regardless of what field you're in, even if it's accounting or I'm sure there's going to be lots of accountants listening to this podcast, <laughs> um, if, you know, or engineering or whatever, that that's your community of practice. Those are your people, right? Mm-hmm. And, and depending on the type of organization you work at, I mean, at U- University of Toronto, you're in a big community of practice in student life as it is because yeah. there's such a large number of people who work um, in student life and student services, student mm-hmm. affairs. But at other institutions, it can be quite in- isolating. You could be one of two or, yes. you know, if you're on a college that has multiple campuses, you might be one on one campus and not see your colleague for months at a time. Mm-hmm. So whereas a professional community, it grounds you in what's happening, reality, you know, um, friendship, stories. And it's less isolating. I remember when I was doing service learning, it was, I was like one of a few people at Mac doing it, but then we got into a space where there's the other lone wolves. It just felt validating that yeah. you could talk and share stories and best practices. Uh, I yeah. think it's really key. So no, regardless of what field you're in, I think it's pretty similar. Mm. Well, and it's funny because now, Adam, I belong to this professional association for professional associations, and I'm going to their uh, winter conference this week on Thursday, Friday, and I look forward to that, the same thing, sort of seeing people having those conversations, talking about the challenges you have within your own area, learning new skills, new issues, legislation, different things that are going on in Canada, Mm -hmm. and um, so I find it very valuable. That sounds fun. Yeah, yeah, it's really fun. They're mm. a good group. So what's your absolute favorite part of being executive director of Congress? Oh, let me see. Um, well, I mean, uh, I love uh, any chance that I have to interact with members. Mm-hmm. Um, so opportunities like this, um, opportunities that I get invited to people's campuses for things I really enjoy. Uh, I really enjoy working. Uh, you asked me for one thing. I can't give you one. That's but, okay. Um, I really enjoy working with the volunteers and the board of directors. I think we're really lucky that um, we have a lot of committed people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a really good uh, collegial working environment. They've been very supportive of me, which has been great. And um, one of the things that's interesting about my job is I work from home. So I, I like the it was a challenge to move into... Um, a different working environment Um, and I struggled with it for a little while to be honest with you but I find it um, right now it's really great for me and I'm very motivated and I have like a system in terms of how Mm -hmm. I work and so that's been enjoyable too nice yeah and what are caucus you your role in five years what year that's 2016 now 2016 okay so five years from now well, I mean, uh, we have a plan. Mm-hmm. There's a plan and there's a dream. So okay. they're kind of intersecting with one another. I think I, I really see for the organization that we're going to grow. Um, I think that, uh, you know, my role right now is technically um, not full-time, but I like to joke that I get paid vo- part-time and I volunteer part-time. <laughs> um but we are hiring someone this summer, so the board has approved um, the hiring of someone to implement our professional development plan. Great. And so I think moving towards having more stability in terms of the services and programs that we offer members 
Um, so I'm really excited about that. Um, you know, I really hope that we'll have the opportunity to partner with other organizations in Canada to talk about some of the important issues that we walk hand-in-hand or parallel on or intersect with, but we're not as intentional about having those important conversations. So um, particularly being smaller than our sister associations in the U.S., I think those partnerships are really key. So I know the board's really keen on that, and so am I. Um, And I think probably the executive director position will evolve into being full-time. Right now, uh, my contract goes till. December 2018 I think um, so what happens beyond then I'm not sure but I think there, there's lots of potential there to, to grow as an organization hmm. that's very exciting it is very exciting um, oh there was a question oh so so we both did our undergrads at Guelph yes which makes us parts of the Guelph Mafia that's right and so I was gonna <laughs> bring this up because it brings me great joy to say that but sometimes I also feel like a bit like a jerk like it's like looking like we had that beautiful you can never be a jerk well I feel like we had that really awesome Guelph Mafia picture yeah at caucus but then I remember standing on the stairs and looking out to everyone who wasn't in the picture and felt a bit uncomfortable because I feel like there's other mafias (laughs) like I feel like there's lots of like Laurier people who are going to vote but do you feel what are your thoughts on I don't know the evolution because I think Guelph probably has that many people because maybe they started on the early side in terms of developing professionals and that kind of stuff. Um, But where do you think we are in terms of the proliferation of different kind of professionals and people coming out uh, and about and getting their degrees and the profession is professionalizing, maybe some could say? Yeah, no, I will we'll see. This is partly my PhD research Which interest. Which is going to be my too. next question. Okay. But I think to our earlier point around communities of practice, I think some institutions have done a really good job cultivating good communities of practice within their own institutions. Right. So Guelph certainly does that. Memorial University does that. Um, U of T's done that in the last number of years. It wasn't like that when I started at U of T, but it's, okay. that's been really strengthened the student life professionals area in the last 10, 12 years. Um, so I think some institutions have done that. The other thing that I mentioned before we got on the air was um, the uh, uh, leader pioneers and leaders of student affairs in Canada. And if you look at those videos, which is on the Caucus YouTube channel, there are seven individuals who came out of the Atlantic provinces, Laurier, um, Guelph. That you know, there's sort of this handful of people, Memorial who were foundational in terms of their thinking around the future of student affairs in Canada. And I think a lot of people, like the Guelph Mafia is a real thing because there was a real um, sense of who we were as professionals um, at that institution and uh, institutions like Memorial. Like there was a, there was a, a community there that and so it's not meant to exclude others but it's meant to show that that there was real intentionality around what was happening with professional staff there that gotcha. that grew and you helped you mentor folks that worked for you and helped me mentor folks I mean I didn't work full-time at Guelph as a professional staff but certainly those experiences I think re- resonated and had impact on folks who came out of those institutions most definitely yeah hmm. So now that you brought up your doctoral work, yes. how's that going? How's that going? 
Yeah, so I uh, you have class in a I'd hours. have class in a couple hours. I'm I'm not taking. I'm just auditing classes this semester. But no, I, being back at school has been interesting. Um, well, for, first for me, from a learning experience, you know, I finished my master's in 1997. A lot has changed mm. for students, and I think um, really that first year, the experience of me feeling of being you know back on campus, having to do things like get a student card and all those things, that was fun and reminded me. Um, of why you do the work you do um, and you know and then the challenges of having being older and having children and you sort of think of that from the perspective of what other students go through um, but then technology you know has really changed a lot so when it's I card catalog well no I mean this is the thing I like we did have the internet and like, you know, in the 90s, but, and of course, like, I looked, if there was computers, and when you looked up articles and journals on Eric, it was all there. It wasn't right. like you were using microfiche that much. I was terrified whenever the, it would show up that the resources on microfiche, I was Oh, yeah, terrified. microfiche. Can oh. you imagine students today? Um, <laughs> but learning all that technology was challenging, and still is, actually, trying to, um, when I wrote my master's thesis... Um, I had a laptop, but it wasn't connected to the internet, so there was nothing to distract me. Right. And I lived in graduate student housing at Colorado State, and I didn't have, we didn't even have a television. Like, there's probably one in the lounge, but I had nothing, I had no Netflix, I had nothing to distract me right. from writing my paper. And now that's a different story. Not only do I have kids to distract me, but, you know, social stuff is interesting it's online. Yeah, it's yeah. Happening. Lots to watch, lots to learn. And it, so is your. What are you trying to zero in on? What What are your academic interests my at this point? Interest. In your, so I'm done my know. coursework. I'm really interested. So my my area of interest is on how student affairs staff develop competency in their work. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested in this whole intersection between situated learning, informal learning, what role does mentorship and supervision play? You know, I've sort of all these questions. Mm -hmm. I haven't narrowed it down to one question, but the concept is around how... Uh, we develop competency in their in our work. So, I'm reading all sorts of stuff about informal learning theories and um, lots of stuff about communities of practice, which is really relevant oh, cool. to caucus. Yeah. And uh, I'm hoping I'm not going to uh, overturn that professional associations have no relevancy to to learning competency, but because I don't believe that. But uh, yeah, so those are that's what I'm interested in. That's really cool. Yeah, it's been interesting so far. Hmm. Hmm. Lots to learn. So, I have some rapid-fire questions for you. Okay. Ready. Jennifer Hamilton. Yes. Would you rather forget everyone else's name all the time or have everyone always forget your name? I'd rather forget, have everyone forget my name because I'm always forgetting people's <laughs> names. <laughs> and, like, I, I find sometimes we're just in, always wearing the, I was at an event today wearing a name tag. And yeah. Everyone kind of does the awkward The name look tag up and is down. good. Yeah. I, but yeah. although I often get called, I get called Heather and Amanda a lot. I don't know <laughs> really? why. But do I, I get like David and Matthew a lot. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. But you have the best, like, name tag lanyard thing. Oh, I do. My blingyards. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> yes. We should do a pre-conference on that. I, I do. Think people Make your own bling work. People would do that. <laughs> um, so you just recently had a family vacation. Yes. What Do you have a sense of your next adventure? Well, um, I'm hoping to tie a trip to my husband's birthplace to a work trip. Okay. So um, there's potential that the Global Summit on Student Affairs is going to be in South Africa in October. My husband was born in Johannesburg, so I'm hoping that we can tie in 
uh, if the board wants me to go to the global summit, that I can tie in a little bit of a trip there. Amazing. To his birthplace. And Have you been before? No, never been. Have you been? So no. Yeah. So. It's high on the list, though. Yeah, yeah. It should be good. Well, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Keep you posted. Oh, that sounds amazing. Um, if you could cast, if they were going to make a movie about your life, who would you cast to play yourself? Well, I wish that I looked as great as Julianne Moore. I think oh, that she. I would support that. But I think I'm more of a 1983 Meg Ryan. Oh, I yeah, support yeah. that too. Yeah. <laughs> There's a character on Suits. Do you ever watch that show? Yeah. Sheila Zass. Do you know her? She's the one who does the Harvard admissions. Okay. She reminds me of you because she's oh. just like a fierce, organized, oh like, statement glasses. Oh, thank like, you. Yeah. And I don't watch that. My partner watches it, but I'll have okay. to take a look. Okay, look out for Sheila's yeah, ass. Yeah, so. <laughs> It sounds like something obscene when you say that. I know. <laughs> it's, I don't know if that was intentional on the writer's part. Um, if you could go back to fourth year Jen Hamilton, okay, what would you tell her, knowing what you know now? Well, I, in fourth year university? Yeah. I was thinking about applying to chef school at mm. the time. Um, what would I tell her? I think, you know, I always felt like my work life was kind of sorted out. Um, I was really lucky in my career. Well, maybe not lucky, but I made good choices when it came to career stuff. Um, didn't it wasn't always clear at the time where I was going, but it always seemed to kind of work out. Right. Um, but it, in my love life, it wasn't clear. So I wish that I knew that it was all going to work out right. there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, calm down. It'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. It's all going to be good. Hmm. Um. Is that too personal? No. <laughs> it's like, I could use that advice right yeah. now in my life. Thanks, Jen. <laughs> uh, work out. Hidden talent. Oh, gosh. Um, hidden talent. Well, I did Strengths Quest, um, so that was interesting to kind of learn about the things that you take for granted about yourself. You don't see as strengths, but then other, you know, they are recognized as strengths within yourself. Do you remember your top five? I don't remember all of them. One of them was Woo. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Positivity. I should have have looked it up for this interview. Arranger. Arranger. I think, well, I mean, on the personal side, I love to cook. And mm. so anything, if my, if my son wasn't such a picky eater, I would cook a lot more. Um, my daughter and my partner are pretty adventuresome. So I do love to cook. I love to entertain. I like to cook for other people. Um, but I think one of the things that I think is my strengths, and maybe this was identified in the strengths quest, is I, I feel like I have a good ability to... Um, see the big picture, like be able to be strategic and big picture thinking, but also understand the details that go into things. So, I mean, I can plan, think about kind of a long-term project for the organization, but then also understand the detail that goes into making it happen. And oftentimes when you work at a small institution or a small organization, you have to be able to do both. Yes. So I don't know if that's a hidden talent, but... Well, I think it's a great talent and one that I admire about you because... I've always wondered because you've got all these moving parts and you have to kind of keep the ship steering in the right direction you have to be patient because you have all these random people coming in and out and you're dealing with professional associates it's just so many moving parts all the time yeah and a lot of expectations from lots of different people but you always seem to do it so well and well, so like thank you patiently thank you yeah. well I do think it could be a good strength even for new professionals um, within student affairs is that you know sometimes it feels like 
the program that you're running or the project you're working on that you're mired in the details. But I think to be able to keep the bigger picture, mm-hmm. the context of the institution, the, the broader context of what's happening in your province or in your, you know, I think that that's really important mm-hmm. and it's not always easy to do. So. Well, I know even for us, we've been, I feel overwhelmed sometimes because I feel like there's no shortage of influencing. We've got strategic mandate agreements with the province and presidential priorities and we've got our divisional strategic goals yeah. and our own office to, and so I feel sometimes and that's something I'm trying to get better at is trying to cut through all of that to be a little bit more of a pinpoint kind of laser focus on okay here's what we're about yeah um, as opposed to trying to be everything to everyone which can sometimes be a recipe for disaster well and it's hard when you're at a big institution too yeah yeah that's tricky um my last rapid fire question before the final question of questions is if your if your children grow up to be student affairs professionals, okay. or they come to you one day and they say, "Mom, I think I would like to become a student affairs professional," <laughs> there are some examples of that actually. Oh yeah. Yeah. To find their names, I met some people at a conference who was a mother daughter student affairs team. That's so awesome. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember who they were. Anyways. Mm-hmm. What would you tell them? Join a professional association. <laughs> Yeah, of course I would tell them to get involved with a relevant professional association. <laughs> I think, um, you know, and when I talk at conferences and go other places, I, I don't try to sell caucus, but I try to say, do do something. Right. You know, Okuho or Casey or anything that you can kind of get connected to folks in your field. Of course, we'd take your membership dollars at caucus, but um, <laughs> I think I would tell them to try to... Um, to uh, work outside of their comfort zone so at their institution um, connect with faculty uh, work with students that aren't necessarily the ones on your door in student government right um, and then you know with within your career try to find opportunities to do things that aren't necessarily within your portfolio um, I think those have been for me the, the experiences ha- which have helped me grow uh, when I, for example, when I was at Portland State University, I was asked to chair the hiring committee for the director of the child care center. So it felt like, you know, I don't know anything about how to run a child care center. Right. But that experience of, first of all, engaging with folks outside of your mm-hmm. own department, but also the skill building aspect of running a search, like all those things were so important. It was outside of my comfort zone for sure. Um, but then I also got to establish a relationship with the person that was hired. And right. so it had so many benefits. So I would say try to get outside your little cubicle. I support that, as we say, in our cubicle. In yeah. the heart of Boise. <laughs> um, so the final question, because this is kind of a relay, um, but you're the start of, our, of this relay. So okay. who, if I were, who do you think I should interview next and what do you think I should ask them? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I'd be really interested in hearing from someone who didn't come through a traditional student affairs journey. Okay. So maybe uh, a new VP um, or senior director, I'm trying to think of a name, um, that didn't come up through sort of the ranks and mm-hmm. um, might have some interesting perspectives. Okay. Um, you want me to give you a specific name? That would be helpful. Yeah. I thought about, like, the, the, the McMaster, Sean. Oh, Sean. Yeah. yeah. I don't know much about him, um, and I'm not connected to him through professional circles. That might be one person. I just read that um, a rig from Queens just moved to the Dalhousie mm-hmm. position. Yeah. So she might be interesting to hear from because she 
did all three of her degrees at Queens and now is moving to Dalhousie mm-hmm. to a new role. That might be an interesting thing to hear. Um, yeah, mm. those would be a couple people that come to mind. I know you have lists of other people, but... Well, it's good to have a few options so that I can go forth and try and uh, invite other folks to participate yeah. in, in, the, in the podcast and see how we do. I should have prepared more for that question. Well, that's okay. Yeah. We can always come back to it. Okay. Um, that, that is it. Okay. That was painless. No, it was fun. Thank you so much. I you're, just appreciate your time. I know you're super busy. I'm not that Superwoman. busy. I'm more happy to talk to you than do most <laughs> things. <laughs> and I have to go apologize to the Oise librarians. Yes. For stealing well, this was fun. Space. And you're very fashionable. Can I take a selfie of us all here? Oh, sure. While we're recording. We can do it on the air. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I should be quick. I should be quicker with my uh, selfie uptake here. Cheese. Do you want to get the microphone in there? Oh, you get the microphone in there. It's a sexy microphone. Cheese. Cheese. There he is. <laughs> Thank All right. you. Thanks, Jen. All right. Okay, bye. Bye. So there it is, our conversation with Jennifer Hamilton. I hope you liked it. I really loved getting the chance to speak with her and hear from her perspective. I know that for me, it's easy to get caught up in the day-to-day business of my job that I often lose sight of the fact that we are all part of something larger and that there are some pretty fantastic people doing important work to move our field forward. If you're looking to connect with Jennifer on Twitter, she is the voice behind the Caucus Twitter account. So you can find her, and her handle is at Caucus Tweets. I'm on Twitter as well, at Adam Kewen, A-D-A-M-K-U-H-N. Please let me know if you have any feedback or any ideas for any staff, students, or faculty I should try to interview next. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. The theme music for Relay Essay is by the amazing Adrian Ross. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, bye for now.